A reading from Matthew. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them together in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. Hi, everybody. This morning we heard another agricultural parable from Jesus, another story about a sower and seeds, only this one digs deeper, pun intended, into just one part of last Sunday's parable about an extravagant sower and the wide variety of soils that his seed landed on. Today's parable is about that kind of soil that is overwhelmed by weeds, unwelcome plants that invade the fields and threaten to consume the nutrients from the soil and tangle and choke off the life of the young crop that the sower had planted. And just like last week, this parable is first told to crowds and then later explained by Jesus in a private session with his disciples. And it's in that private session that we learn that this is a parable really about good and evil, and actually more about evil than good, about its source, its pervasiveness, its invasiveness, and also about what a good and faithful response to evil might look like, alongside the ultimate good news that both God's story and this world's story will end with evil's ultimate and complete defeat. Now, most of you know that in less than two months now, Nancy and I will be moving to our home that we purchased a few years ago in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. It's a home with a lovely yard, with several flower gardens, plenty of flowering plants like bee balm and milkweed that are blooming right now and that the butterflies enjoy near the edge of the woods that are behind us. But also along the stone walls and every edge of the property is an abundance of what's called glossy buckhorn which a helpful neighbor informed me was a terribly invasive shrub, long ago imported to this area from Central Asia and North Africa by a well-meaning person who thought it would look good in their yard. 
but then left to its own, it began to spread and now crowds out most everything else that grows along roadsides and on the edge of wooded areas. Now the previous owners of our home, dear friends of Nancy's parents that had lived there for 30 years in their retirement, faced the same struggles of declining health that led them both to conclude it was time to sell their home, but also had left them unable in recent years to tend the yard, battle the weeds as well as they used to do. And so they've therefore spread and multiplied quite a bit. So now that battle against the glossy buckhorn has become my new mission, and I have armed myself for conquest. Not only with a sharpened lopper, but also with a gasoline-powered weed whacker that comes equipped with a killer blade attachment that can cut right through a half-inch thick sapling as if it were butter. Nancy's favorite part of that tool is the harness that goes over my shoulders to help bear the weight of the weapon. It comes complete with a yellow sign across my back that says, Stay back 15 feet, lest I swing around and catch you with my blade. So, thusly armed to the teeth, and with safety goggles and ear protection, along with a fierce and determined look on my face, I regularly go out in that yard to cut down the dastardly, glossy buckhorn. Only it's quickly becoming evident to me that this battle is going to be a protracted one. My efforts are at best a holding action, and I will eventually become just one more soldier in a long line before and after me that will need to be regularly engaged in this war with the weeds. I can hack that cursed sprout down to the ground, but it pops back up with amazing speed. I'd swear that I'd fully cleared an area, and then three weeks later, there it is again, about two feet tall. And besides that, while I'm out there doing my Rambo thing against the glossy buckhorn, I am, of course, also mowing down a host of other things, wild flowers, things that just happen to be in the way. Every war, as we know, has its collateral damage. Meanwhile, in the gardens, Nancy is learning to discern what's a perennial that's there intentionally and what is a weed that just so often deceptively looks like it might grow into something really pretty. We have great fun some days debating what's a weed and what isn't, especially in the springtime. So back then to the parable and to what these real-life yard-tending experiences with weeds might teach us about good and evil, and most importantly, about how to live in a world that is such a persistent tangle of both. First thing, evil is real. And like glossy buckhorn, it is insidious, and was originally at least planted with intention. This parable plainly says that evil in our world is not a mistake. The weeds that Jesus described are intentionally sown into the field by a real enemy whose motivations are loveless and sinister. Call it the devil, as Jesus did. Call it systemic evil. Call it what you want. But it is real and it is a power opposed to God and in our Christian understanding powerful enough even to nail Jesus to a cross. 
furthermore, a power to which we are also captive and cannot free ourselves. And unlike my glossy buckthorn, the literal weeds in Jesus' parable, which many scholars believe is darnel, is also known as false wheat, because it looks deceptively like and has the same color of the nourishing grain that it invades. But the seeds of darnel can cause illness, even death if they're consumed in large quantities. So lesson number two, evil is not only real, it often wears a clever and deceptive disguise. It's not so easy to distinguish the weeds from the wheat, and especially when they're so tightly mixed together and don't look all that different. Pair that with the truth we keep coming back to this summer about each and every one of us being ourselves a complicated mix of saint and sinner, each of us a tangle of wheat and darnel, good motives and evil desires, and you end up with a reminder to be very careful, very cautious and humble about both the accuracy of our human distinctions between good and evil, and especially our efforts to eradicate evil from our midst. We live in a world of weeds sown among the wheat, of evil existing side by side, cheek by jowl, with the good. Now, as Easter Christians, we live in that world with a clear and glorious promise that pervasive as it may be and deceptive as it tries to be, evil is ultimately doomed. Jesus' resurrection is the sign and promise that God wins this war, that evil is no match for God's goodness, and that someday this tangle will end. The suffering and sorrow will be eliminated and the harvest gathered into God's, God's granary. Which brings us then to lesson number three, by far the most important of this parable, and it is that there is no way that we can rid ourselves and our world of everything bad without also distorting, maybe even destroying, things that are good. Whenever we might think that we have good and evil clearly identified and sorted out and start yanking weeds left and right, we always end up doing terrible harm to ourselves, to others, and to the field, our world. In overzealous attempts to eliminate evil, humans are prone to commit the evils of arrogance, judgment, and ultimately hypocrisy, and the whole field suffers. And yet, as we're especially struggling to learn in our own day and world, giving up and giving in to evil isn't the answer either. Doing nothing is not the solution. Waiting for God is part of the answer, but it's not all of it. This parable ultimately calls us to the difficult task of living carefully and yet faithfully in a complex and complicated world. Alert to evil dedicated to limiting its reach in ways that we can, while humbly acknowledging the limits of our humanity. For most recent example, in dealing with a virus that we cannot, at least for a while, eliminate, the option to do nothing and just let it run its course hardly seems to be the responsible, much less faithful one. So how is it that we responsibly deal with the weeds of a crafty and infectious virus and the need to limit its spread 
without damaging the weed of everything else in life. From the health and safety of senior citizens, to the well-being of people who need to work in order to eat, to the educational needs of our children, those are some of the complex questions we face. And how do we root out things like racism and bigotry from our criminal justice system, much less from our lives and hearts, while maintaining the necessary structures and proper policing that a civil society needs? Those are just two of a host of weeds tangled among the wheat's realities that we grapple with as a global community these days. We're having similar lists locally. We have our own lists as a church. Each of us have our own personal private lists as well. This parable is about each of us, and it's about all of us. And as I said, no matter how long or hard I try, I know that I won't be able to rid my yard of glossy buckthorn, much less all of New England. But I'm still going to try, carefully. I hope getting both more careful and effective before I need to hand the battle over to someone else. It would be nice if that and every situation offered a clear, quick and easy choice between weed and wheat, right and wrong, good and evil, helpful or harmful, truth and falsehood, blessing or curse. But most of the real situations and questions and choices that we face are way more complicated than that. And every choice seems to lead to an equally mixed outcome. So maybe this is all that we need to hear today, that God is God and we are not. And because weeds can sometimes look a lot like wheat, we need to be very careful, very humble when it comes to identifying and especially sorting good from evil. Maybe we also need to hear this promise God will weed out the evil when the time is right, including the evil that infests our own lives. And then, with that carefulness matched by that confidence, we can get busy with our assigned human task of growing the good as much as we can, more than seeing our task as being burning the bad. Acknowledging that only God loves this world enough to bring it safely to its harvest. That way, it's a gospel promise that doesn't free us from needing to struggle with evil and daily choose how to live for good in our world. But it instead frees us for that same struggle, assures us of the outcome, and guides all of the complex choices that we will face along the way. For as Jesus said, let anyone with ears listen. Amen.